Hi friends, happy Monday. Today we are talking about some ways to make the most out of short class periods. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 44 of Elemental Conversations. I know that across different school systems, there's a lot of variety in how long we see our students. Scheduling can be really, really different from school system to school system, and even within a school system, from school to school. So one of the things that we all need to think about when it comes to lesson planning, everything that happens in our music classrooms happens within a specific amount of time. On the shorter end, we have 25-ish minutes, and then in my experience, the longer end is closer to 50 minutes per class. Today, we're going to look at the shorter end of classes, so 25 to 30-ish minutes. This is a question from my friend Sarah on Instagram, and she said that she is seeing her second through fourth graders for 25 minutes once a week. And she's just thinking through uh, how to make the most out of this very limited class time. The first thing I would just point out is that I absolutely think that 25 minutes is a very limited amount of class time. But with that is an acknowledgement that I only think it is a limited amount of class time because I'm comparing it to someone else's situation, right? So if we were to take this not as a lot of time and not as a little bit of time, but just as 25 minutes without that extra label of a lot or a little bit of time, that might help us frame our thinking in a more helpful way. Because you can do a lot in 25 minutes. 25 minutes is actually a lot of class time as long as we are breaking it up in a way that is intentional. And a lot of people would argue that 25 minutes for a specialist class, 25 minutes for a music program is actually developmentally appropriate as opposed to something that is, you know, 45 or 50 minutes, depending on the age group. So perhaps this is not as limited of an amount of time as we might think. There might be uh, some advantages to having shorter class periods where we can really engage students in a lot of a attention, high attention for those 25 minutes, as opposed to something longer um, around the 50 minute mark, which has its own challenges. For this conversation, let's start by framing it in a very broad picture, and then we'll go very narrow, and then we'll zoom back out to broad. I want to talk about the school structure itself, and I know that's not something that we can directly control but it does play a part in how we operate our 25-minute class systems. We're going to talk about the school itself. We're going to talk about then, like really, really zoom in. How can you make every single moment count in that 25-minute lesson? And then we'll zoom back out and talk about it in terms of the year as a whole. So let's look at the school system first. Let's imagine that we have 32 weeks in the school year, 32 weeks where we are actually seeing students. And in those 32 weeks, let's say that we are working with 25-minute class periods once a week. That comes out to around 13 hours total, 13 hours of contact, of musical contact in the entire school year with a single grade level. 
And if we were to break that down, that would be the equivalent of about two school days or so. That kind of framing can be helpful when it's time to communicate our position to other staff in the building and then uh, administration as well. Because something that can make a really big difference in the life of a specialist is all of those tiny little moments in scheduling. So if a teacher is, you know, two minutes early with the class, that makes a big difference because perhaps you only have three minutes between classes. Or if a teacher is late picking up their class, then maybe you have someone lined up, a class lined up waiting to leave and another class lined up waiting to come in, right? So these tiny moments of teachers being late or being early um, or anything like that, those can really, really add up and make a big impact on our daily schedule. But then if you zoom out, it can also make an impact on the amount of uh, contact time that we have with students from a yearly perspective. So as much clarity as we can get when it's time to communicate this to other staff and to administration, that can be really, really helpful. Things like bathroom breaks or students going to get water or anything like that, that can make a big impact on the overall time that we have with students. And this is something that is not directly in our control. We have a limited amount of control over the yearly schedule, over the school schedule, as far as, you know, recess and lunch and everything like that. That is not directly in our control. But what we can control is our demeanor with our colleagues and our communication with other, uh, with other staff members. So these solutions start with really clear communication and empathy for the other systems going on in the school. Your administration's job is to solve problems and make the school run smoothly. So if you find that you are very consistently losing class time because kids have not had the opportunity to go to the bathroom before music, that solution is going to start with you communicating your position clearly with empathy, with understanding, with a solution-oriented mindset so that when students show up to music, you can really make the most of that class time. And the reason I bring this up is that my observation with myself and then with other colleagues that I talk to is that sometimes we get ourselves in a tizzy about, you know, students always needing to go to the bathroom when they get to music or um, a teacher being three minutes late very consistently. Oh my goodness. In my first year of teaching, there was a teacher who was three minutes late every single week without fail always three minutes late to pick up her class. And I never said anything because I was so concerned about confrontation. I was so concerned about my place in the school system. I didn't have, uh, I hadn't built at that point. I had not built very strong relationships with my colleagues. And so I just let it slide. And when you have those three minutes that then back up your prep for the next class, that makes things really tricky. But I did not want to put myself in a position of communicating what I needed from my colleagues in order to make my program run smoothly. That's a situation where we cannot control a teacher dropping off the class or picking up the class at the wrong time. But what we can do is communicate what we need from our colleagues in order for the school system as a whole to run better. 
that's kind of the big view out of some of the things in terms of school systems that we don't control, but that do impact our daily schedule. Let's talk about, you know, after zooming out and looking at the school itself, let's zoom in and talk about how we can make every single minute of our lessons count. In episode 33, we looked at some research around how music teachers spend their class time. We like to think that we spend our time singing songs and playing games and playing instruments and, you know, reading and writing and listening to music. We like to think that that is the majority of what we are doing in our music class. But the research that we talked about in that episode, episode 33, uh, actually pointed to most of the time in a music class, elementary general music teachers are spending their time talking. That is the single category that tends to take up the most amount of time. So if we are looking at a 25-minute class period and really thinking about how to make the most out of those 25 minutes, the way that we might find some extra time perhaps is not to change the schedule of our class. Perhaps it is to talk a little bit less. (laughs) This goes in the category, this is a good thing because this goes into the category of things that we can control. So let's talk about teacher talking and think through some things that we might expand in our practice if we're already doing these things, or perhaps some things that we could add to our collection of strategies to talk less and do more music. The very first thing is classroom routines and procedures. As much as we can make something a routine instead of explaining the directions every single time, that is really going to benefit us in the long run. So what is the routine for walking into the room? What is the routine to line up? What is the routine to get an instrument from the shelf? What is the routine to go to rest position or to hand mallets off to another student? All of this can be uh, solidified. It can be systematized by really honing in on our classroom routines and procedures. This is something that can seem counterintuitive because in order to really solidify a routine, we are going to need to practice those routines. And that is absolutely going to take up class time. And that is something that can be tricky for us because we might think that we don't want to spend all of this time on the procedural parts of the music lesson. We want to play instruments. We want to sing songs. We want to play games. But the more time that we can take to really hone in on the procedural aspects, just the the day-to-day nuts and bolts logistics of how a music program is successfully put together that is only going to benefit us in the long run. I know when this episode comes out, we are also, for many of us, jumping back into school after a winter break. This is a great time to review classroom routines and classroom procedures so that we can save time in the future. So that's the first thing. The second thing is hand signs. If you have hand signs for sit for stand, for a focus sign, or for a rest position, or signs to line up, or signs to make a circle, something like that. Um, any any nonverbal visual cues that you can give in the form of hand signs can be really helpful. 
And then along those same lines, if we can give visuals, like visual cues, like pictures on the board, perhaps, you know, I mentioned um, a sign to get in a circle. If you have a picture of a circle on your wall that you could just point to and students know that that's the time for them to get into a single circle. Or if you have a visual of finding a partner or discussing something with a shoulder partner, something like that. In addition to those images that we can use, we can also use written directions. This can be helpful if we are teaching a singing game and things are kind of complicated from the student perspective of where to go and when to turn around and when to find a partner and everything like that. Written directions can be very helpful. So in terms of making every moment count when you are actually standing in front of students, classroom routines, hand signs, visuals, and written directions will be a lifesaver in terms of minimizing the amount of teacher talk. That's when we are actually standing in front of students. But before we get there, we can do a couple things to help us be prepared. So things like writing out the very specific wording of questions or the specific wording of directions. I noticed myself just kind of talking endlessly, like just rambling along when I was trying to explain directions for a singing game. And that became very obvious when I started videoing myself teaching and just seeing how much talking I was doing in a way that was really unnecessary. And the more talking you do in a way that is unnecessary, it just adds noise and confusion to students. They don't know what to tune out and what to hang on to. And so I started writing out the very specific wording of questions and directions, especially with things like singing games or things like like asking students to notice the difference between two pitches or things like that. If I just take the time to write out one sentence, one sentence written down is going to save me five sentences of me on the spot trying to explain it in a way that makes sense. So writing out the wording of what you want to say seems like a strange thing to do because it feels like you are reading from a script, but being prepared for class in a way that maximizes your actual time is a really, really, really great option for making every single moment count. And then along those same lines, thinking through your teaching process ahead of time can also be very helpful. It will save you so much time if before class you have thought through your wording and you have acted out the teaching process. This is something that I absolutely recommend, even though you will feel kind of silly doing it. As I lesson plan, my recommendation, if, if this is something that you are struggling with or if this is something that you're kind of trying to um, systematize a little bit better, my recommendation is to uh, make your lesson plan and then actually stand there and practice delivering that lesson plan. So it's not good enough just to see it on paper, the steps on paper. We actually need to take it a step further and act out the procedural elements, the, the logistics of the lesson plan, as if you had students sitting right in front of you. And again, I'm not suggesting that you do it for every game, for every class, for every activity. But if you notice that at the end of the day, you are not really sure where all of your class time went, this might be an interesting exercise to, for you to do, perhaps over a weekend or even in the car on your way to school. If you can kind of rehearse 
through and mentally map out like, okay, well, where do I need to be standing if I have instruments going on here and I have a singing game going on here and I have someone pointing to steady beats at the board? Like how is all of that going to work? If that's something that you feel like you would benefit from, just doing the prep work for a few classes for a few weeks will go a really, really long way in making sure that every single moment of your actual class time is really being maximized. Another thing that will save so much time and really maximize the amount of music that happens in a class is to think through transitions between activities. If we are thinking through transitions, that will help make sure that music is happening all the time, even between activities. This is something that we might talk about in another episode or maybe in a blog post because there's a lot that we could go into here. But if you just start to think about, uh, you know, what could students sing as they move to line up? Or is there a way to connect the notational literacy component of your lesson between more than one activity? Thinking through transitions is like the icing on the cake of a a well-designed lesson. And then the very last thing as far as maximizing music time is, this is a very, very small thing, but instead of always standing at the front of the classroom and waiting for students to be silent before you give directions, go ahead and just start singing the song. So let's imagine that in second grade, students are more chatty than you think they should be. Instead of waiting for everyone to be silent and to show you their full attention, just start singing Bluebird, Bluebird, or whatever whatever, you know, on a mountain, whatever song you're doing, when you start singing, students will naturally join in. And then as soon as the song is over, you give your, you know, four word directions and start singing the song again. As much singing as you can do in a single lesson is really going to be helpful because students cannot sing and talk to their neighbor at the same time. So if you are concerned about what you are going to do next, sometimes if you just have them start to sing the song, while they are singing the song, you are thinking the next four steps ahead. So as soon as they are done singing, you're ready to direct them to the next activity. So routines and procedures, hand signs, visuals, written directions, writing out the wording of questions, thinking through the teaching process, making sure we have our transitions down, and then just starting the song before students are ready. All of those can be helpful when it's time to think through how to make every moment of the music class count. So those ideas are all very detailed and they are kind of getting into the minutia of presenting a lesson. Let's back up just a little bit and look at learning objectives and how that can help us frame our thinking. Even with a very short class period, my recommendation generally would not be to focus on one single concept or one single piece for the entire lesson. Again, you'll always find exceptions, but in general, my recommendation would be to break up the learning into two primary lesson goals, one rhythmic goal and one melodic goal. This might be a conversation for a different time. Why many people recommend breaking things up into a rhythmic target and a melodic target. But just very, very quickly, one reason that that is recommended by a lot of people uh, is that any other conversation we have around musical elements is going to be aided 
by students have very students having very clear vocabulary around rhythmic and melodic concepts. So for example, it is going to be tricky for us to talk about form if we cannot articulate what we notice about the rhythm. Just as an example, when we break up our lessons with intention, we have two things that we are prioritizing that can really help frame our thinking. So now we know that whatever else happens in this 25 minute lesson period, even though it's not a lot of time, we know that we are doing the things that we have prioritized. We are doing the things that we know are purposeful for this class and then looking ahead at many classes to come. If we have these two very clear goals to frame the lesson, to frame our thinking and to prioritize our time, we know what to do if our activities are cut short because a class is dropped off late. For example, we can prioritize our time in these short lessons. And that is so, so valuable. So having clarity around learning objectives, around um, lesson objectives, around learning targets, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) that is going to be incredibly helpful as we think about maximizing time for a 25 minute lesson or so. The way you can think through what to actually prioritize as you are creating these learning objectives, a a helpful question is what will students need to know or be able to do? What will I need to see students or hear from students in this class before we can successfully X, whatever it is, next class? So what do I need them to do today so that they can do a continuation of this tomorrow? This reframes the way a single lesson is situated in our mind. It's not an isolated event, but it's a small piece of a larger puzzle that we are building throughout the year. So let's look at that, zooming out even more, uh, looking at part of a puzzle instead of an isolated lesson. When we think through our learning targets as a thread that is strung across several different lesson experiences. This not only helps with retention for this 25 minute class period, but it makes sure that we are not cramming every single thing that we care about into this 25 minute class. We are looking at how that class fits into the overall picture of the year. So now our concern is not about um, getting stressed out about this 25-minute lesson time that we have. We are looking at this 25-minute lesson time as just one musical touch point in a large puzzle of our school year. So with all that said, let's talk about a sample lesson schedule that we might consider. Inside the planning binder, these monthly plans, I'm looking at a monthly plan right now, I have these categories broken down by the lesson segment and then the specific amount of time that I recommend spending on any single lesson segment. This helps us not get bogged down. And I know this is a separate conversation for a different time, but if things are not going well in the class, Instead of hanging out on a song or a learning activity that isn't going the way we expected it to and getting really stuck in one single lesson segment, this helps us move learning forward, right? So we have the amount of time that we are going to dedicate to one single activity. And then when it's done, we move on, right? That can be very, very helpful. 
So inside the planning binder, like I said, these monthly plans have the specific amount of time for each of these different lesson segments. We have an opening routine. We have our first focus concept. We have a change of pace. We have a secondary focus and we have a closing activity. And if you are not familiar with this lesson structure, this is not something that I have invented, but it is something that I do recommend. So this opening routine can be about three minutes. This is when students are walking in, you are doing your rhythmic work, you're doing your, your melodic work. We are warming up our voice. We're warming up our bodies. Uh, we're just getting in the mindset of it's time for music class. Next, we have our focus concept that I would recommend making about eight minutes or so. And that is going to be that first learning target, that rhythmic concept or that melodic concept focus that we are working on as part of our uh, lesson objectives. Next, we have a change of pace. This is because uh, it is great for all of us to have a break between areas of high concentration. So this is the time that you would spend about three minutes to play a game, to do a movement activity, to do something else to kind of break up the lesson. And then after that, we're ready to focus again. This is the secondary focus concept that's going to last about eight minutes or so uh, in a 25 minute lesson segment. This is again, a rhythmic or a melodic concept, whatever you worked on, you know, let's say that your first focus concept was rhythmic, then your secondary focus concept is going to be a melodic target. And then the very last thing is a closing activity that is again, going to be around three minutes. So we can see that even with 25 minute lessons, if we are breaking things down intentionally, we have so much time. We have so much musical space to fill up with the activities that we really care about, that we know are going to move students forward in their musical development. 